Hello, welcome to London Coronavirus Podcast. Two humble Londoners offering up a daily podcast which we hope will provide even the thinnest slice of light relief from what we're all experiencing. On the pod today, we had our weekend what and weekend wow. We had coronavirus kindness, coronavirus confession and so much more. And joining me, as ever, for pod number 26, ladies and gentlemen, is a man whose voice has secured my sanity for the last month at least. Mr. James Ware. James, if our weekday pods have a nice sense of order and purpose, I like how our weekend pods always have a bit of a surreal, tipsy swagger to them. And tonight was another wacky one, my friend. Yeah, absolutely. I know it's a weekend of resurrection, Dave, but today I was kind of feeling the pace of the week. And after... All of those live streams, I've never felt more alive myself. So I'm feeling on the Easter theme after today's episode. And I'm glad that my voice is keeping you sane. I think it's driving some of my neighbours insane. But I guess that balances itself out. We're here every single day on London Coronavirus Podcast. Enjoy the pod. James, I wanted to start today on Easter Saturday just by reflecting back, really, on our chocolate meditation experience. And, of course, with anything as upstream as that, and we had that on the podcast yesterday, there's always going to be a few people kind of taking the mick. But a lot of people actually WhatsApp me today to say how it made so much sense. And even a few people specifically liking the idea of kind of feeling and even listening to your food. So, I mean, it's just a further doubling down on the idea that the little things are so important at the moment. And clearly, that is a massive cliche that everyone knows. But it's also all those cliches are usually built on reality. And I think I said on podcast maybe two or three when we were talking about the importance of the the little things during this time. I think I told you how much I loved stairs at the moment Mm. and how I, I, I did and I do still view them as this glorious kind of portal to the outside world. And the outside world is just fantastic. Being outside today and in the sunshine and my allocated walk, uh, it, it just felt so good. And yeah, just all those little things, really. I mean, I've talked before about the banana stands in my flat, which is, just gives me so much joy every day. My sister got it for me for Christmas. So yeah, it's amazing. But listen, it's so dangerous, I think, at this point to talk about any time frames in this whole situation. And I know a lot of big media outlets are. Today, I saw on two national newspapers, two radically different time frames. So in one national newspaper, it said, you know, we're going to be in this situation for a year. And the other said, we're going to be out of this by September. So it is so dangerous and nobody has a clue, least of all London Coronavirus podcast. But those are my those are my kind of musings on this Easter Saturday, James. Yeah, it does feel like everyone's taking part in this giant involuntary timeline sweepstake and everyone's got to stake their claim on when that's going to be. Yeah, I'm finding, Dave, that much like you put really beautifully there, the small things are the really biggest part of getting us through this and like appreciating the day with the current situation. But it's also weird how my way of gauging life has started coming down to really small things as well. Like, I noticed that today, but I went outside on my one walk and I was wandering down the street and I was like, you know what? It really does feel like a bank holiday somehow. Everyone had been coming into this weekend being like, how are we going to make it feel like a bank holiday? What's going to make it feel different to any other day? You know, I feel that was a lot of people's concern coming into what's normally one of the bumper bank holidays of the year, mm. four-day weekend. And I was like, it does feel like a bank holiday, but why? I can't quite pin it down. 
And then I realised that that was entirely based around the way that people were queuing for the supermarket being different and the way that people were walking or running in the streets being a bit different. And that (laughs) genuinely, those are my criteria that I'm gauging life on in a public sense right now. Like, it's mental, isn't it? Like, the quality of my own day is like, what did I make in the blender and how much did I enjoy my morning granola and my understanding of world affairs other than the news and the very serious statistics coming out of those. But my understanding of the outside world firsthand is really very much supermarket queues and walking or jogging. That's all I have to go on. Yeah, and James... I think at the start of all this, I was kind of jealous of the people that were really in the countryside or in the sticks, right? And they mm. could hide themselves away from this whole situation and just go for a long walk every day and not be part of it all and kind of just ignore it for a few months. And I still do think the people that have, do live in that situation, that is kind of nice because you really can separate yourself from what is a horrible global mess. But at the same time, I kind of like being in London for this event. You know, I'm a Londoner, you're a Londoner, and we're in this together. And, like, this is our home. So I'm not going to leave this city and, and go somewhere else. Because, you know, I'm sure a lot of Londoners, James, have thought, oh, I can run away and, you know, escape to my parents' house or uh, go here or go there. But you know what? We're in this, James, and I do like having my feet on the ground in London in what is a once-in-a-hundred-years event. And that, to me, actually, I realise over the last couple of days, it's really important to me that I am here in my city for this event because... You know, James, in 20, 30 years, someone's, you're going to be sat next to someone at a wedding, right? And they're mm. going to say, oh, right, wow, you, were, you lived through the corona. You know, someone younger than you is going to say, you lived through coronavirus. What, what, what was it like? And I just think it's cool to have, like, not cool, but you know what I mean, that's the wrong adjective, but just a frame of reference in the city that you live in, and, and that is London. Yeah, for sure. It's such a huge thread of the London experience. And I feel the same, actually, Dave. I'm especially feeling that this weekend, that I was originally planning on being away, like going away in the UK for Easter anyway. But I feel I've rebranded that in my head this weekend as a stay-home staycation rather than the traditional staycation, just doing those activities staying at home. And yeah, as beautiful as it would be to be in the countryside in a world where we could travel rather than having to stay where we are, I feel like under these circumstances, that might be nice for a day or two if it was allowed. But Mm. then I think I would miss being on London and being, being able to feel it here and really feeling that thread, like you're saying, that's going to now forever be part of the fabric of my experience of having been made and lived in this city. Like, it's going to be such a, a key part of what's all woven together kind of across that timeline. And if anyone's really struggling to reframe it for the bank holiday. I heard a great line that's been doing the rounds on the internet for the first time yesterday, actually, which was that apparently we've been calling it all wrong. I stand corrected. It's only quarantine if it's from the Quarant region of France. If not... (laughs) It's sparkling isolation. So if anyone's feeling like it's really dragging on this weekend, you're not in quarantine anymore. You're in sparkling isolation. (laughs) 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 (laughs)
to Coronavirus Podcast today with Pandemic Purchase, our new feature where we invite listeners to let us know exactly what they bought that they probably wouldn't have done in a pre-corona world. And today, James, my friend Katie sent me this from uh, down in Brighton and she explained her Pandemic Purchase and it's this. She bought a new bed recently. Have you ever bought a new bed, James? I'm not sure I've ever bought a new bed, Dave, personally. Okay. I, I had a new bed bought for me when I was a lot younger, but it was like bunk bed. So I feel I can't claim much credit for that. Okay. Well, if you do buy a new bed, it's not like Amazon Prime. It doesn't arrive the next day. You usually buy a new bed and it says like three to four weeks to arrive. That's kind of a, a standard thing with those large items of furniture. Gotcha. So uh, my friend Katie, she bought this bed online. And it was nearly it was nearly due to arrive. This was three or four weeks ago, and it, it was just about to arrive. And they realised suddenly, oh no, we we got the wrong size. Instead of queen, they went for double. So they contacted the company, Katie and, and her boyfriend, mm-hmm. and the company said, look, you've got to wait for the first one to arrive, and then you can send it back, and we'll send you the correct one. But because we're in this weird limbo, James, of things, you know, a lot of the delivery service around the UK has been compromised, understandably so, in this situation. So they ended up with both beds arriving and they didn't they couldn't return uh, I the bed that they didn't want because it was the wrong size because the company just wasn't receiving you know returns at the moment so they had two new beds plus the original bed which they had planned to sell on Facebook marketplace you can't do that at the moment because obviously there's too much contact so Katie and her boyfriend live in a one bed flat in Brighton and found themselves (laughs) with three double beds (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, they're not easy. You've got one that's constructed, the old one, plus the new one that's the right size that they want to use and construct, but where does it go? And then they've got this additional bed that's the wrong size and new that they can't return. So it's just a kind of, a, they've kind of chain purchased beds. So it's another element of, I think, pandemic purchase. But uh, yeah, there you go. One, one bedroom flat, three beds. You do the maths. <laughs> does that make it a three bedroom flat if you just like draw <laughs> curtains between them? Maybe they're cunningly they framed it like that Dave but maybe they're cunningly trying to increase their property value in these tough times (laughs) for the property market no I think there's a real silver lining to that actually because in our sleep special the other day we were hearing about the importance of only using your bed to go to sleep in and if you can't sleep or during the day or when you've woken up and you want to hang out not being in there right so your brain has a really strong connection between bed and sleep makes total sense well read good way around that if you're the kind of person who likes to spend all your time in your bed but you also want to be able to sleep well get three beds you've got (laughs) two to play with you can like stack them up in levels and then have the actual bed you sleep in that's genius although if it's not as the biggest flat by the sound of things. It sounds like we might actually, David. It's amazing how quickly things escalate at the moment, even features on a podcast. Sounds like we might have our first pandemic purchase museum in Brighton <laughs> if, if they're going to have the three beds there crammed into one space. Yeah, I've also, can I sneak in my own post, kind of post-pandemic purchase, James? Yeah. 
yeah, for post-corona world because my washing machine broke recently and it's, it's not really a situation where you can call someone around to fix it and, you know, do, do I buy a new one? There's a bit of hassle. A sure. kind of plumber's even up and running at the moment. I have no idea. So I kind of washing stuff in the shower. So I've gone back like a hundred years in time. <laughs> but I realised that I can't really probably buy a new washing machine till we're out of this or till we're close to out of this at least. So I've already got a list of kind of post-pandemic purchases or, you know, post-lockdown purchases, which is growing rapidly. So... Yeah, the feature expands. What else is on your list, Dave? Oh, James, so much. No, <laughs> no, no, really, so much. You know, at Amazon, you put stuff in the basket and you could also put it in a wish list. Yeah. yeah that's, a, that's a deep one at the moment. I'll, I'll reveal all off pod. That's a whole episode in itself. We've <laughs> sung the praises a lot of delivery workers during mm. the situation, Dave, who obviously have suddenly had huge demand placed on them. But I actually, in a kind of reverse pandemic purchase the other day, more of a pandemic return, discovered that the collection services right now are maybe at the finest ever. I had to return this one parcel and they came to try to collect it not once, not twice, but three times (laughs) like we're here to collect your parcel and it had already gone off. So it feels like Maybe if you don't feel the purchase calling you, the (laughs) pandemic return, it doesn't quite have that alliterative ring to it. It also sounds like some kind of nightmare. I think we might have to get our brand (laughs) on the naming of it. But it, I think, is also a good exercise to liven up the day. Whether you've been able to pick up on it from the changes in queuing and walking and jogging or not, it is, of course, for weekend. And it's not just any weekend. It's the Bumper Bank holiday that is the Easter four-day weekend. And we felt it was only fit and right that we paid tribute to that here on London Coronavirus Podcast with a special double-double edition of... Weekend what and weekend wow. So the way that this is going to work is Dave and I have both looked at the strangest online activities. We both were set the task earlier today to find the strangest ones we could that you could tap into to pass the weekend. And we haven't shared these yet. So we're go- both going to present our findings to each other. So Dave, you're kicking off. What's your weekend wow? What have you found panning for internet activity goals? Well, first of all, James, I really like how formal you made that when you said we discussed this earlier today rather than decided 20 minutes ago. (laughs) It gives the pod a nice kind of sense of organisation rather than Saturday chaos, which I like. I also, I won't be typing weird live streams into Google (laughs) many more times in my life. I learned that that lesson the hard way too, Dave. (laughs) One to add to the lockdown learnings, which is an increasingly long and increasingly not safe for work list. No. Okay, James, here is my weekend what. Now, 
you know Airbnb don't just do accommodation, they also do experiences, right? I think most people are kind of familiar with that uh, concept now where people offer up their expertise. Mm. And you can do kind of uh, bar crawls in certain cities or most of those activities are clearly in person. However, in the corona age, everything's gone online. So some of these activities are being offered online. And there's some, uh, as we've discussed briefly before, that are kind of within the range of normal, James. You've got meditation and yoga and those you think, yeah, absolutely fair play. I was looking through some of the, let's say, stranger activities on Airbnb experiences online version. And I found an absolute gem. And it I'm just going to call him the zero pound penguin man. <laughs> I'm, sure you, I'm sure you've got some follow up questions. So let, let me talk you through what he's offering. For zero, it, it, this uh, this activity is usually is free. I mean, usually these activities do cost something, but this this gentleman is offering his service for free. <laughs> Essentially, this man, and I gather he's from South Africa, he uh, dresses up as a penguin, and then over Skype or FaceTime or Zoom, will tell you all about penguins and educate you about penguins for one hour for free. So I saw that and I just thought, my gosh, I know we're in a kind of free hit of a content age where anything goes and you really can't put anything online because everyone's at home and there's not really much judgment now. It's just everything's wacky because it's a weird world. But uh, yeah, I mean, the, 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 there it is, James. It's, it's the zero pound penguin man. And I I haven't given up the the idea that perhaps me and you could partake in this next week alongside the zero pound penguin man. But that was my that was my weekend what? Definitely, game. I'm wondering whether he's going to be more of a penguin professor and is going to impart some real penguin wisdoms on us. But also, like, I feel strangely reassured by humanity just hearing that, Dave, because... Reassured? Well, well <laughs> hear me out. So I'm thinking that, like, most people, the question would be, okay... I want you to dress up as a penguin and you've got to live stream this to strangers, to an online internet audience. I think most people would be like, how much are you going to pay me? And it would be a, it would be an ever-escalating, like, people would want a substantial sum. I like that this man is like, please don't pay me. Like, I like that that's how passionate he is about getting his penguin costume on and getting into it. So I've got quite a weird weekend what with a different flavor to share with you dave okay which is i was going for the different live streams that are out there to pass the time and there have been tons of articles about these earlier this week in the middle of the afternoon i found myself doing a kind of world tour i got some web wanderlust and so i did a little bit of a world tour of these live webcams and to be honest, it was quite epic. Like, I was in a very, very silent Times Square. One minute, a beach on Thailand, the next. Then suddenly watching the Northern Lights live. It, it was cool. Like, I got into my mm. live streaming. So I thought I'd revisit after my gateway live stream session the other day, some live streams. And I, I'm a little bit perplexed by this particular one, which comes to me from Livermore in California. Not one of the most iconic places in California, but it is there apparently. And we've all heard of people having light bulb moments, but this is kind of a light bulb minute, or in fact, light bulb hours 
if you're looking for them. It's a live stream of what they call the Centennial Light Bulb, which is this weird 100-year-old light bulb in a local fire station. And you can sit and watch this light bulb online. So I am currently, currently on my screen to the right is the glowing visage of David Windsor. And to the left is a somewhat less glowing 100-year-old light bulb with a very old, probably similarly aged fire truck in the background and a very quiet kind of suburban American street outside. And I've been watching this for a while now and sort of playing chicken with the live stream to see if it's going to change. But I have to say that I think I've lost this particular live stream grudge match because the centennial light bulb stands steadfast in glowing at a very similar incandescent (laughs) rate. So I'm, I'm pretty intrigued. Like, I get that this is an object with history. Apparently it's in its 117th year. And right now is a time for tenacity. And I think we all need some inspiration in that department. So I admire that. But I'm intrigued as to who actually tunes into this and who the repeat viewers are. Like, who, who watches it? Not to talk about it on a podcast. And then next weekend, it's like, you know what I'm looking forward to this weekend? Bit of light bulb action. Well, I think also what we've learned is you should never enter a war of attrition with a live stream as well, James, because you're probably going to lose, aren't you? But, you know, who are we to judge, James? I mean, here we are putting out a daily London coronavirus podcast and some people might view listening to this as an adequate use of their precious few minutes and hours on this planet. Other people, James, might consider watching a light bulb on a live stream on the Internet as as uh, as, as time well spent. So, you know. I'm certainly not not going to judge. Yeah, this is very much a time where to each their own has rarely been truer, <laughs> I think, when it comes to passing time staying at home. Um, whatever works for people, as long as it's legal and within the rules, we're, we're very much behind here on London Coronavirus Podcast. So, Dave, that was your weird. How about your wonderful? What's your weekend wow? Well... My weekend's wow is a live stream. Ooh. And it's a live stream of Loch Ness in search, of course. It is in place, of course, searching for the Loch Ness monster. Nice. And I saw this live stream. And, of course, it shows the, the absolutely stunning scenery in Loch Ness. But it's also, it was incredibly peaceful. I also did my research, James. So I was, I was, you know, I was watching it and there's a few sheep going by. And it struck me that the world is so mad right now that even if Nessie appeared, I don't think it would make the front page tomorrow. I really, really don't. Even if suddenly, and I, there's a bit of me that does, you know, kind of believe in Nessie. And if Nessie does emerge from the water at some point this week or next week or in the weeks to come, it might get like a, a news in brief, like, a, you know, a tiny little column on page 14, because it's just irrelevant because the world is just so insane. And in fact, the, uh, the, the tourism, the Scottish Tourism Board, they said this. They said, if Nessie can avoid social contact for 15 centuries, 
I'm sure we can manage it for a few weeks or months. That was David Bremer, co-owner of the tourist site, and he told uh, Scottish media. They also called Nessie a social distancing champion. So, yeah, Nessie, Nessie is the, the pioneer. I'd like if that became part of official government messaging, like they had a fourth podium when they're making the daily speeches, and it was like, stay home, protect the NHS, save lives, channel Nessie. Like, like, like Nessie. <laughs> that is the fourth podium caption that they're missing. Yeah, it really puts it into perspective what we've all been through. You're quite right, Dave. Puts into perspective what we've all been through recently. Mm. That, if Loch Ness was to appear tomorrow and do like a kind of water equivalent of the worm dance on the surface or on the banks of the lock <laughs> and then just pop that down and it got fully live streamed i just don't feel that would shock anyone at the moment <laughs> like that would actually sort of be reassuringly normal i think <laughs> in this very perverse sense that was quite the week about i also went live stream on this one and i also went to nature and I started out I was feeling like what I was missing from being able to get out into the countryside this weekend Dave was being able to see spring nature doing its thing Mm. as only spring nature can because the flowers in the parks are wonderful but there are less roaming wild animals and that's probably a good thing right now but I did this lamb watch live webcam which live streams you to a rural farm which is on the Yorkshire and Lancashire border Mm -hmm. and I was just like having a very peaceful afternoon session just watching the lambs graze which as content grazing goes was perfect and then what I've discovered that I really like about online nature that I find that real nature struggles to replicate is in real life I'm not someone who always has the longest attention span, I'll admit. So I really enjoy the lambs and the bucolic scenery. But then quite quickly, I think I'd be ready for something else. Now, in real life, that's going to require, like, quite elaborate transport methods. Whereas in internet live streams, one minute I'm watching live lambs. The next, I was watching this brown bear cam, which is from... (laughs) Katami National Park in Alaska, USA. And this thing is unbelievable. I don't know how what was happening didn't break the live cam. You can hear it in the background now. And there is a brown bear just doing his bearing in this waterfall while salmon, like tens of salmon, just leap as if they're being like they're on the end of pieces of string. And it's weirdly mesmerising. Like, I genuinely think that by the time you call me to record the podcast tomorrow, Dave, I might just be sat in the same position watching these salmon fly for their little lives. I I mean, they're they're not looking that much like they're going to get up the waterfall, but I admire their vision and and they're going again. They're my isolation inspiration for today. (laughs) So turns out that you can really get a hit of nature online and also there's a bit more room to jump around like a salmon really when you're doing that London, 
So it's an audio hat tip to the Easter weekend. We yesterday had a chocolate meditation that you can listen back to on yesterday's episode, which was really quite something. I found it hard to look at my mini eggs in the same way again today, Dave. <laughs> like, they've really taken on a whole different dimension after that experience yesterday. And I know that especially for lots of families, this time of year is one that you want to make really special for your kids. And right now, just with the situation in supermarkets, let alone everything else, it's making that really difficult to create those memories for them. I have fond Easter memories, actually, of my mum organising an egg hunt in a park in London, dressing up in a giant Easter bunny mascot costume, and then nearly getting arrested by the park's police because <laughs> it was illegal to organise events without permission or something. So they nearly led her off in this giant bunny outfit. So I have fond Easter child of memories like those. And I'm sure <laughs> that many parents are feeling that it's hard to recreate those. Not, <laughs> not just because the police have other things on their mind at the moment. And so we've been lucky enough to have the lovely Jennifer Earl join us on the podcast today. Jennifer is the founder of Chocolate Ecstasy Tours and Taste Tripper. And she has got some rave reviews in the industry. The Wall Street Journal call her one of Europe's top 10 culinary guides. The FT Weekend call her a chocolate expert. And MSN UK have said she is one of the top 30 foodies to follow on Twitter. And luckily enough for you, here are her top tips for how you can still make this Easter a special culinary delight. which would be particularly useful for any families who haven't been able to get any Easter eggs. If they have any chocolate in the house, they could melt it down and mix it in with uh, um, puffed rice, cornflakes, dried fruit, nuts, whatever they've kind of got in the house that goes well with chocolate and stir it all together and press it into cupcake moulds or muffin moulds. And they could do this with their children. They just then pop them in the fridge and then they can be enjoyed. But it could be a way of creating the nests for the birds to come and lay the eggs so it buys the families a little bit of time who maybe didn't manage to get any Easter eggs before Sunday. And if you um, have older kids or in a household with adults, you could create a chocolate quiz um so a blindfolded one perhaps where you pick a selection of bars and have to try and guess which is which or that could be just guessing the difference between a flake and a twirl or it could be guessing the flavors in flavored bars or even if you're up for it seeing if you can guess the origin of the cocoa beans in a single origin bar and if you are on your own this Easter, um, I would really recommend a chocolate meditation. It sounds a bit silly, but I have a friend. Um, her company is called Calm Coco, and she runs guided chocolate meditations, which are a really nice way to focus the mind. So um, hopefully uh, the most important thing is that people do enjoy some chocolate, because if there was every time that we needed chocolate... This is it. 
was some fantastic stuff there from Jennifer. And I think what we've learned as well, James, is that the chocolate community is pretty small and we really are rattling through them in terms of content from them because Jennifer there mentioned her friend Meredith Whiteley, who was on the pod yesterday talking about chocolate meditation. So I really feel like you've done a, a pretty extensive suite there, James, <laughs> in your recruiting of the chocolate content community. Yeah, my chocolate haul might not be the absolute largest this Easter day, but my chocolate network has never been better. And now it's time for the feel-good end of the show that is coronavirus kindness. Yep, we've heard amazing stories throughout the weeks here about how people are using whatever they have to make a difference. And today is maybe the finest example of that so far. Comes from a little further afield than normal. This one comes to us from Chicago in the USA. And a Domino's pizza manager there by the name of Dimitri Serkin Nicolaou who was closed because of a situation in America right now and decided that he still wanted to make a difference. So with some friends of his, developed a way of using his pizza oven to make face shields for frontline workers. Wow. Yeah, this is incredible. It turned out that the acrylic that you would use to make such a thing is very similar to kind of pizza dough. So you lob it in the oven, you can heat it up, and then it moulds it into that perfect shape. So he's been using his takeaway pizza oven to provide these face shields to local nurses, which I thought was like maybe the best example yet of somebody taking a bad situation but using what they had available to them to try to make a positive difference. And also weirdly brought back some happy childhood memories for me, Dave, as well, this one, which was maybe why I identified with it personally as well. Feels like today there was no intention of this. Maybe it's because it's Easter weekend, but it's sort of accidentally become a childhood memories-themed episode. Like, (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how that's ended up happening. Maybe it's the magic of Easter coming through. But one of my finest young teenage moments was I was very much like the biggest treat in the world for me. Keep your Michelin-style restaurants was a Domino's pizza. And I was in the States with my family on holiday in a place called Boulder, Colorado. An excellently named place. Only America can name a place after a giant One of the he- healthiest places on the planet, James. Yeah, but they still had Domino's pizza. And I went into the pizza shop there and we ordered our pizza. We thought they might be closed, right? Because it, it was like, and they were like, no, no, you're all good. And then they spoiled our accent. And anyway, long story short, the manager of the Domino's invited me and my brother into behind the scenes. And we were allowed to hand roll our Domino's pizza and like put the toppings on ourselves and then put it in the oven and watch it come through. It was this man who was called his name badge said, Rich is the man. Which at the time, I was like, wow, Rich is a serious operator. I think when I grew up, I was like, maybe something more mixed going on there with the naming process. But (laughs) I am forever grateful to Rich for that experience. And I'm glad to see that 
takeaway pizza joints under all names are still spreading such joy in the States, even under the current conditions. edition of London Coronavirus Podcast with a quote, something to tee you up for the next 24 hours. And today it comes from Deborah Levy, the novelist. And I was just thinking, James, about social distancing and about how, what an impact that has on on human interaction. And I know we've talked before about the power of eye contact and those little Mm. facial expressions that mean you can communicate in such a manner that it's just impossible to replicate no matter how hard we try through FaceTime and uh, and other methods. And this quote really hit home. Social distancing feels like unlearning every muscle memory in my body. <laughs>